This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, and welcome to the CHGO White Sox podcast. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome in. I'm in the West Loop right here. This is the CHGO Studio A. It's so beautiful here. I love this place. My name is Herb Lawrence. I am usually the CHGO community leader, but today I'm acting as the host. You can follow me on Twitter at ecknerwall 23 To my left, all the way to the left, is Vinny Duber. He is the CHGO White Sox beat reporter. You follow him at Vinny Duber on Twitter. And in the middle is our special guest this week. You see her on CHGO Sky. And now she's joining us this week for CHGO White Sox. It is Janice Scurrio. You can follow her on Twitter at Scurrioso. Scurriosa? Scurriosa. Scurriosa. It's Leviosa. (laughs) And so... Guys, last night was just such a great day. I'm still hyped about the white, I mean, the Chicago teams beating the Boston teams. Firstly, because I don't like Boston, even though I've never been there. Just heard bad things about it. Um, <laughs> you know, that Patriots kid who's like, I want all these championships in my life. And he's like 16. He's got like 20 championships. I don't like that kid. And so while leaving this place last night after the show, Matt Peck from our CHGO Bulls show was like, man, it's going to be a bad day. We're losing to Boston twice. I was like, well... You know, the Bulls are pretty good. They, they've acquitted themselves pretty good early in the season. They have a chance. They're at home. Maybe Boston went out last night and enjoyed Chicago's uh, great din- dinner scene and their bar scene, and they got a little too drunk. And that's like the Bears have had 11 days off, so might as well uh, beat the uh, Patriots out there in New England. And damn if I didn't go to DraftKings Sportsbook and bet both of those teams to win in a parlay. Yes, I'll tell you what, I won that money. And thank you to our Chicago teams for uh, doing that because I'm on cloud nine right now with a mm-hmm. couple dollars in my pocket and then some bragging rights off of Boston. How'd you guys uh, Monday go? Ah, so drinks on Herb then it sounds like. What I was yeah, yeah, say, yeah. Orange juice, yeah. Delicious. <laughs> Free complimentary orange juice. That's definitely on me. I watched the Bulls game. Yeah. Bulls won. Yeah. It was great. Look at you. Got the hat oh, on. man. I was mm-hmm. pumped. I got home. I had to run out to the store, do a little errand. Got home, or, And I walked by a, a bar. And I looked in, and I'm like, oh, well, the Bulls are losing 17-7. Uh, to 7. That's not good. So it looks like that one's uh, not worth watching when I get home. Turned it, turned it on when I uh, made it all the way home, and it made it a game. I ended up winning big. It's oh, fun. Big-time <laughs> blowout. Janice, did you watch any last night? I, I, I was uh, spent the evening catching up with my stories. Uh, so uh, one show that I'm watching right now is uh, this uh, drama called The Cleaning Lady. And I, I've heard I, it on channel uh, I, Fox, right? Exactly, yeah. I assure you it's a lot more interesting than the title makes it sound. Uh, it just has a couple of like actors that uh, I, I really uh, enjoy watching. It's really suspenseful. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a banger, so I highly recommend it. If you're sc- scrolling through Hulu and have no idea what the heck to watch, definitely tune in to The Cleaning Lady. And then she's like a mercenary, right? Uh, she's a literally a cleaning lady that uh, basically works for uh, this uh, drug kingpin. And uh, they, they kind of have like an interesting kind of give and take situation because uh, she's a doctor. Uh, but also? she's, uh, but well, <laughs> uh, 
she practiced uh, medicine in the Philippines and then went to the U.S. to get treatment for her son who has uh, some a cancer of some sort. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it, it's just a very interesting kind of like seedy underbelly uh, kind of sh- uh, show. It's it, it's just like, I'm probably underselling it here, but I, I really enjoy it. Oh, it sounds interesting to me, but I want to start, and I know this is a White Sox podcast, and I know you guys want White Sox stuff. Don't worry, we have White Sox stuff. We have Liam Hendricks getting his grades today, as you see by the title, and we're going to talk about other things White Sox related. Vinny has a new article at allchgo.com where he's talking about Aloy Jimenez and this offseason, so go check that out right now. And become, didn't even didn't even entertain the notion that he would be traded, Herb. Even though that's you didn't, your, that's even though that's your uh, that's my thing. You've been beating that drum since about <laughs> June, I think. But, I, yeah. I, I, that is my thing. That is my absolute thing. And I know you want to get to White Sox baseball, but bear with us. We're gonna have a little icebreaker here. As two people who love live music events, I want to ask you guys this question because myself and Steven Alexander. Back there, Stephen Nicholas. <laughs> Stephen Alexander. All Our right, producer Herbie, is Steve, all right. Stephen Nicholas back there. I messed up his name yesterday. It's going to forever haunt me. But I want sounds to, like it's going to forever haunt him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, we're not music guys. I like music, but I don't like going to live events. But I would know you guys both like it. So which would you rather do? Attend a concert of your favorite all-time favorite artist or artist in your favorite venue with the best seats available, but they only play music from their new album, or attend a concert of a group that you like but don't love, your least favorite venue, and bad seats with acoustics that are not that great, but they play all the songs that you know, recognize, and like. Firstly, let me ask you, Vinny, what's your favorite venue to see a music uh, artist at? I love Thalia Hall on, uh, down in Pilsen. Uh, uh, I've been there a bunch of times. It was just there not too long ago. Uh, it's just a blast. That neighborhood is so much fun, and the way they've got it set up with the bars and the in the basement, I mean, Punch House downstairs, I love. That's one of my favorite bars in the, in the city. So uh, Thalia Hall is probably my favorite, but uh, I was just at the Aragon actually on Friday okay. uh, in, in, in Uptown, and uh, uh, that was that was a ton of fun too, more of a uh, historic venue. So that was uh, pretty sweet. I'll, I'll go with those two for here in the city. Janice? Say that my all-time favorite venue, uh, this is probably just going to be a basic B answer, uh, but I love Red Rocks out in Colorado. I've heard about it. I've heard it. I've uh, only seen spectacular pictures. Never been. I've seen a show. I saw a show as a a teenager. I went to go see Flight of the Concords many, many moons ago, and I still think about that show quite a bit. It it has left a lasting impression on me. Uh, But otherwise, uh, if we're talking venues in in Chicago, uh, my first show ever was at the Metro. I have seen plenty of solid shows at the Metro. Great punk venue. uh, Just really great shows coming through. Uh, So yeah, it is the, uh, the old dependable so that's my favorite. So, Vinny, mm-hmm. which one would you have? The, the, your favorite band and the great venue, great seats, but they play only new stuff that you don't know? Or the band that you, you only know, like, but you, were get, you got bad seats, but you have recognizable music that you have, that you're listening to in front of you? It's a good question. The extremes, as, as always, the answer probably lies somewhere Some in, in the middle, middle right? Of but <laughs> if I had to pick one of those two, I'd probably lean toward the latter. Uh, because, and, and I've got a kind of a unique uh, perspective being that all of my favorite bands, uh, all their new albums would be good. No, they're worse. Oh, because they? all of my favorite bands are from the '60s and '70s, and like yeah, I don't, I don't need to hear the Stones playing, you know, stuff off their newest album. <laughs> I, I, I need to hear them playing the '70s stuff. But uh, no, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate. I've seen the Stones. I've seen Springsteen. Uh, I, you know, so it's. Um, 
It, it would. It would. I, I was glad that they played the older stuff. Would you be like way. get to the working overtime? Part? Get to the working overtime <laughs> part. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. But no. It, it's actually funny. I mean, I I think people ask me this kind of a lot. Like, oh, are you going to go see whatever classic rock band is coming through to town, kind of thing? And I'm like, I would rather see mod- current bands. I'd rather spend my concert going money on current bands. Because you know you always you always think to yourself like oh man I wish I could have seen Led Zeppelin in 1970 whatever or, you know you don't want to look back 20 years from now and say oh well I sp- had spent all those hundreds to see the uh, you know decades old version of the Electric Light Orchestra when I could have been seeing this band that was in their prime at the time so um, I like going to concerts and seeing current bands as mu- as much as that might rock people's world out literally there. <laughs> my fiance I picked her up from an ELO show and it said ELO with Jeff Lynne. I guess that's the main guy. Is there a way to have ELO without Jeff Lynne? Like, it was literally (laughs) posted as such. Like, I was like, who is this Jeff Lynne? Like, wasn't he in the band already? He's like, yeah. They just had to, you know, put it on this... the marquee, so people know, hey, it's we like got the, Jeff Lynn here. Like the Smashing Pumpkins with Billy Corgan. Yes. They, they want you to it's remember. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, cool. And so, Janice, your answer in that one? Uh, this was an easy one for me, honestly, e- even though at first I was like, oh, no, this is one of Herb Stumpers. <laughs> uh, I locked myself in a room and deliberated for about a good 35 seconds, and I'm going to have to go with the former. I'm going to have to go hmm. with uh, one of my favorite artists and one of my favorite venues, uh, but, of course, too, uh, their recent album, so of course, I mean, Beyonce's Renaissance album, I'm absolutely obsessed with. I play it from start to finish. It's very difficult to listen to one track without listening to the one before it and the one after it, just mainly because the production and the transitions were so incredibly just wonderful and just uh, highly memorable. So yeah, I'm going to have to go with that one. Although Beyonce at the Metro would be a very very interesting show to see. Very interesting. <laughs> She'd be like, what is this small ass place? Also, yeah, she, also <laughs> what the hell? What's this crowd? <laughs> yeah, is not she, my crowd. She, she would be absolutely just uh, yeah, shell-shocked. Uh, I'm, but. I'm just like, I know her album people loved and raved about, but Mostly they were like, mm, it's good, but it's not old Beyonce. It's not quality Beyonce. You you wouldn't feel cheated that you're getting uh, a half of a concert or something that you're, you've liked her because of the old stuff. And the new stuff is good, but it's not old Beyonce. It's not Destiny's Child. It's not Survivor. It's not all that good uh, girl empowerment yeah, stuff definitely. back in the back. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely not going to bring Kelly or Michelle out for uh, for any of the, of Renaissance, but uh, but still though, still though, I, th- I think it would make a very fun show for me in particular. This very uh, selfish request. Yeah, I was thinking like I love Jamiroquai, and one of the things we we're talking about before the uh, show started is that I had tickets to Jamiroquai, but it was at this North Coast Festival which I hate festivals. I've never been to one, but I always see them, and it just seems like a bunch of people in one spot that like music but don't like the particular artist that's at that's up on the stage. Like, let me give him a try. And I was like, I got tickets, but I'm not going to go because of I'm by myself. And then secondly, I'm in a festival. I don't want to hear Jamiroquai play their music and then somebody be like, oh, this is terrible because I would have to fight. This is It'll be bad because I, uh, I love them. They're awesome. And I also get mad when people call Jamiroquai just that one guy, JK, the lead singer, because it's uh, he presented himself as such in the uh, virtual insanity video. So that's what I get mad at, especially when I go and see uh, concerts. I've only been to like probably like 10 in my lifetime. I think my first one was uh, Belle Biv DeVoe mm. when I was 12. And Van- I know Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer were in there, too. Oh, man. oh my gosh. This is quite the snapshot of... Uh 
of the late 80s, early 90s. Funny story, I actually saw Vanilla Ice at Citizens Bank Park this past summer. Not I, performing. Nope, he was performing. That is a yeah, shame. He, he was, it was a post-game concert. What does Vanilla um, Ice perform? How does he ice, perform? Ice Baby, that's uh, it. Uh, what uh, does he do? He performs very carefully uh, because he's a little bit older. Uh, so He doesn't do the dance? Anymore? He he did bring out one of the Ninja Turtles on stage, oh, though. Go Ninja, so go Ninja, I, go. I, exactly, this exactly. Is, yeah. this, you're describing the worst performance in the history of music. <laughs> what you're describing. Hey, after um, that, a Phillies Mets game, of course, you know, the couple of beers have been had. Hey, uh, anything is pretty much entertaining. This so. this is ma- <laughs> this is making Cascades' performance after the White Sox game look like Woodstock right now. The description of this Vanilla Ice program. <laughs> It was a Vanilla Ice and DJ Jazzy Jeff oh. in order to. But I mean, no Fresh Prince. I mean, DJ no. Jazzy Jeff makes sense. He's a Philly native, but I don't understand the Vanilla Ice thing. I guess, you know, the name, the cachet is big. Mm-hmm. So get people in the ballpark who are of my age and older. But yeah, DJ Jazzy Jeff, I would just go for him because he's a musical genius. But mm. ugh. yeah, um, it, it, it was Vanilla completely, uh, I, I did not know this was happening. Uh, so I just bought the ticket without knowledge that this concert was going to happen post game. And uh, I decided to have a Bryce Harperita and stick around. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it was still a good time. Still a good time. Good times were had all around. And I know the folks who are listening right now on the podcast or watching on YouTube want to get to the White Sox stuff. And we will right after I read these uh, messages. Become a CHGO member now. Podcasts and live shows on every team every day. Post-game shows we saw last night with the CHGO Bears and the CHGO Bulls having simultaneous post-games after big-time wins over Boston teams. It was very exciting. I watched both of them with two different screens going on at the same time. Watching the Bulls and the Bears uh, post-games are very exciting because Big Dave and Matt Peck get on a 1,000. And then you see the subdued but very excited Adam Hogue and the more excited Mark Carmen, and then through the roof, Braggs, it's just, the energy's just palpable when you're watching CHGO post games. Premium written content from guys like Vinny Duber on the end right there, Janice, who writes some premium stuff for the sky, for members at allchgo.com, and dope merch for all of it. I wish I had my jacket up here. I brought my varsity jacket, which I don't know if it's for sale as yet. I looked on this CHGO locker. It's not for sale yet, but goddamn, it is so good. It is so beautiful. I wear it every day that I've got it, which is yesterday and today. Free shirt when you become a member. And those shirts are dope. The CHGO uh, Skyline is my favorite. And also the blue of, of the sky. And then they have a black sky shirt. The blue really doesn't match me, Janice. So I had to deal with the black shirt with the more of the blue as the accents instead mm. of the blue all the way. Because it takes, I don't know, blue is not my color. I'm a more gray and black and beige type of guy. I felt as if you pulled the shirt off, though. Thank you. I, yeah, yeah, you absolutely just uh, looked absolutely fitting in at Wintrust Arena, so I, I, I empower you to wear the blue shirt. And that's a great venue to, to watch any venue, and the Sky crowd there is uh, on fire. And as you see on our screen right now, you can get all this merch right here. The Bears shirt, the uh, just, no, just, the QB1 shirt, I can't say that, QB1 shirt on the end. Oh, man, it's so great. You get all the stuff that I'm showing you right now if you're watching on YouTube. That blue shirt right there for the Sky, Beautiful, but I got that black shirt also because I love black. It's my favorite It's my favorite color, and it's nice and slimming for me. So you get dope merch for all the teams when you become a member, free T-shirt, and members-only Discord. So yesterday we had our Mailbag Monday segment. You can ask a question in the Mailbag Monday segment only if you're a Discord member, and we're constantly chatting about different things in the different 
Discord room. So we're at the White Sox room. The Blackhawks room is going live. Same bull thing with Bulls, Cubs, and Bears. So become a member now. And before I forget, November 6th, which is a very special day to me. It's my birthday. We're having a tailgate. You mean we're having a birthday party for you? Yes. Yeah. And so they officially, <laughs> we're going to have on Roosevelt and Michigan Avenue. It's prime it's a, real estate. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. We went to the first one, and I could not believe how beautiful it was and how we secured this area i'm like how did no one else secure this area for a tailgate it is a huge area for parking for you and then partying like we had bags out there chai town cornhole provided the bags uh, boards and the bags it was so awesome we had a, a food truck everything you could want drinks on the house music was playing it was a fun time had by all so right now the link in the description is right below this if you're watching on youtube Click on that link, go to the Everbright page, even Bright page, and get your tickets now. You can get an individual ticket or you can get a ticket with a parking pass. So it's a value you cannot beat. 11 6, the, uh, the Bears will be playing the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins. You guys know that song? No. no I do now. It's um, the Miami Dolphins song. Is Les, it? Les used to sing it all the Did time. Was just, it played in, in uh, the Ace Ventura movie? It was not played in the Ace Ventura movie. God, Leah. I, I kind of think you made that song up. That is a real song. Go and look at, listen to it when you're uh, <laughs> you're done with this. Miami Dolphins. It's a terrible song. but Is it, it worse than your Padres song? <sighs> no. There's nothing worse than that song, and that's why those guys <laughs> lost, because that goddamn song by those, those dads. Oh, Come to think of God. it, that guy kind of looked like Vanilla Ice. That might have been Vanilla mm, Ice maybe. singing that Padres song. It's, yeah. That would be on par with the quality of stuff he's put out in the past. Yeah, I mean, it just... So terrible that those guys ruined the Padres season. They couldn't play after that. They're just so distracted. <laughs> That's what's in. Oh, God, what jerks. I guarantee we're not going to have a terrible song when we finally go to the playoffs next year as the White Sox. Disagree. Oh. There will definitely be a There'll terrible song. There will be a worse song, song than oh, that? Yeah. Well, not worse than that, but, okay. but bad. <laughs> All right, let's get to why you guys are here. And thank you for joining us, Connor and Herpty Derp and AJ and Dan Payton and Goro. But the reason why we're here is Australian great Liam Hendricks. He is a reliever, two-time reigning reliever of the year for the American League. I don't think he's going to win it this year. But Liam Hendricks is one of my favorite players. Uh, we talked about the other day where we we're talking about um, Michael Kopech. And besides the stuff on the field, I love Liam Hendricks for who he is as a, play, as a person, you know, uh, advocating for gay rights, wanting to come here and uh, establish himself, him and his wife living in the city uh, part-time at least, and ingratiating himself into the culture. That stuff is awesome. If he did, only did that, I would love the player. But he is an awesome pitcher, and the fact that he has been pitching for the last eight-plus years with a UCL tour, tear Ooh. is just mind-blowing and pitching at the level that he has been so I'll go to you first Vinny what would you say your grade for Liam Hendricks as far as results I mean listen I I don't think anybody who watched him this year thought that he was quite as good as he had been in the first two years uh or the first year rather with the with the White Sox but I mean, you're getting what you paid for. I mean, everybody, it was very popular this year to complain about uh, the amount of money that was spent on the bullpen. Liam Hendricks got a massive free agent contract two off seasons ago. I don't think the White Sox or anybody that is a White Sox fan could complain about what they've gotten from Liam Hendricks. He has been uh, basically as advertised 
Last year, like you mentioned, Herb won his second straight uh, AL Reliever of the Year award. Uh, this year, he's not Emmanuel Classe, so he probably won't win it. But uh, he was still very good and, and did the job. I think there were some notable moments, but I think every closer has some notable moments that, that don't go their way over the course of a season. You're going to see guys who are the best closer you know, in, in baseball, which uh, Liam has been one of those over the last few seasons, uh, have those moments throughout the year. And I think people will remember them and maybe latch onto them a little bit. Uh, certainly that game uh, against Cleveland early in the year where uh, where Josh Naylor did his thing stand, stands out in the memory bank. But um, other than that, you know, he was maybe not as sharp as he uh, was the year prior when it came to uh, finding the strike zone. Um, I think he talked about, you know, some of his struggles with walks and some of his struggles with two outs and some of his struggles in non-save situations. He, he certainly, I mean, I the dude... I think watches numerous times over the course of the year, like every pitch he's ever thrown. You know, he is a uh, video video junkie when it comes to uh, watching him and and all the stuff that he's ever done. I, I, seriously, I think we walked in there one day and he was like, "Oh yeah, I was just watching uh, every strikeout that I've had since uh, you know over the last eight years." And it's like, "Oh yeah. okay, that's just how you were spending your afternoon." So uh, you know, he's he's a guy who you know he's in a position and he plays in a unit the bullpen that uh I don't think anybody's usually ever happy all the way happy with um (laughs) but I think Liam Hendricks is as good as you could possibly ask for uh if if you're a White Sox fan from that closers role so yeah I'd go ahead and give him an A minus this year because he wasn't the A plus that he was the year before Janice so first of all, uh, I love Liam Hendricks. Uh, next to Tim Anderson, he is also my guy. I can have two guys uh, because this is America, and I can have as many guys as I want. So known for his philanthropy, his animal advocacy, and I also especially love his support of the LGBTQ plus community as well. Uh, not to mention, he was also the first player to be the face of White Sox pride. Uh, just, I was incredibly just impressed that he decided to take on his allyship and also just uh, use that to uh, promote uh, and welcome LGBTQ fans uh, to uh, White Sox games. I think that's quite incredible. So, of course, uh, kind of like what Vinny said, uh, I think for a lot of White Sox fans, he may not pass the eye test, and that's because objectively, he is not as good this year as he was last year. Yes, his last season was absolutely fantastic, but also, too, if you look at it, he's only blown four saves. He's converted 37 out of 41 opportunities. That is still very, very good. So, uh, it is true that he is less dominant uh, than, say, his season last year, or even when he became a closer in 2019 for Oakland. Uh, He's still one of the best relief pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, But also, too, we have to keep in mind that he's very valuable, but on a team that doesn't give him leads to protect, uh, and also, too, at the back of a bullpen that doesn't necessarily hold any leads for him to protect, too, we also have to take that into consideration as well. But otherwise, uh, his strikeout rate is still fantastic. So, I mean, he's still punching out guys at 36.2%. That is still really fantastic. I believe that's in the top 2% of the league, for Mm -hmm. those of you keeping score at home. Uh, but like what Vinny mentioned, yeah, his command did take a huge dip. Uh, so he had a 2.6% walk rate last year to a still below average 
6.8% this year. Uh, seven walks in 2021, 16 in 2022. And of course, his whip took a good hit as well. But otherwise, I mean, his fastball is still incredibly good. In my opinion, it's probably one of the better fastballs uh, amongst relievers. So the thing about uh, he's been pitching with a torn UCL, which is also, like you said, Herb, incredibly mind-blowing. But the most like fascinating stat to me is that the average velo on his fastball hasn't really dipped. Um, so it's at 97.6. So it's about the same as it was last year. Um, and of course, too, I mean, uh, his curveball uh, that he throws to lefties, slider against righties, I think his slider is still a really fantastic secondary pitch. Uh, and even though, I mean, like Vinny said, um, everyone makes mistakes. And just even looking at his heat maps, too, all of the sliders that end up getting turned around for home runs are just meatballs over the plate uh, that's gonna happen uh, so but other than that uh, I've been really impressed but from what we've seen from Liam Hendricks so I mean like yeah again he's not the pitcher he was last year but he's still very good uh, so believe in slack I gave him a B plus but I think I want to bump him up to an A minus just even uh, examining the numbers a bit well, I mean, and like you read off just the save numbers which obviously are so associated with the closer doing their job the White Sox were a 500 team this year. 81 and 81, disappointed the hell out of everybody, and their closer almost had a 40 save season. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And when you talk about he doubling his walk rate, think I mean, his walks, think about anybody else doubling their walks from one year to another, and you're like, mm, he sucked then. No, <laughs> he went from seven to 16. This is one of the hallmarks of Liam Hendricks. He barely walks anybody, and you see the stats right there on the screen from year to year. Um, and his results were pretty much the same. He didn't pitch as many innings as the White Sox didn't have as many opportunities as they had the year before where Liam Hendricks was dominant the year before. He pitched in, what, 71 innings the year before. This year it's 57 and two-thirds. And he spent a good number of days on the IL this year, too, which Mm -hmm. he didn't the year before. And that's how we found out that the UCL was a thing like eight years ago, and he still hasn't had surgery for it, and he's just battling through. Like, I don't know the mechanics of the arm, but I've heard that the UCL UCL is pretty, you know, vital for you throwing the ball. I know it's not a complete tear, but it's a tear, and people usually get reconstructive surgery for that and Liam Hendricks just rubbed some dirt on it took a week (laughs) off and he's like all right I'm good to go that is a mark of a champion where you don't have the good stuff because you could see the 16 walks this year didn't have as premium stuff as he you know usually had last year where he was just a 0.7 whip guy he wasn't giving up hits he wasn't giving up walks now he gives up double the walks and he's like you know what yeah it's tough and I'm hurt a little bit but I'm gonna battle through I know how to get people out Sands the Josh Naylor game where he hit that home run off him. Sands the Byron Buxton game. I've blamed that more on the manager for not walking that champion player, <laughs> Brian Buxton. But Liam Hendricks, this is what I talk about with Michael Kopech. This is what I talk about with other younger pitchers. Liam Hendricks knows how to pitch. He understands the science of pitching. And Vinny talking about him looking at every strikeout he's thrown for the last eight years. That's a student of the game. Under- self-scouting. Understanding that he can't just be the same person that he was yesterday because they're going to scout him. So he needs to move the bar every time that somebody gets up to him. And that is a true mark of a professional. And I guarantee, and Vinny, you can speak to it more, he is a leader out there and he's probably showing people something that they haven't seen. I know he goes with the codify uh, statistics all the time. He understands how people are, uh, how to shape a pitch, how people are going to attack him. 
that stuff can just only trickle down to the rest of the guys. They see how much of a professional he is on the field and, he, and how much of a great guy he is off the field. There's no way that those guys could not pick up something from Liam Hendricks there. Yeah, and I mean, every guy in that bullpen, too, talks about what it, I mean, what an experience it is getting to be out there with him, whether it's uh, watching him go to work every day and watching him on the mound where he obviously excels at the job that they all want to do and they all do, uh, but or just sitting out there and, uh, you know, having to hear him talk for oh. just hours and hours and hours <laughs> on end because uh, he, is, he is someone who um, will uh, – Listen, if there's ever if you look up Chatterbox in the dictionary, I'm sure there's a picture of Liam Hendricks there, and I mean that as a compliment because he's a fun guy to talk to. But uh, certainly, he he is somebody who uh, his teammates notice it, and uh, I think he always jokes that like, oh yeah, they're probably sick of hearing my voice out there in the bullpen. But yeah. uh, listen, when you can do your job like that, you earn you earn every bit of that, and uh, he's a guy who makes the team better. Not only like you mentioned, Herb, from what he does performance-wise from what he does on the mound, but from what he he brings to the clubhouse and the kind of presence he is. You talk about being a leader, and he's the guy, whether it was just his uh, willingness to talk to us throughout the season or his his, uh, his actual perceptive uh, skills there in, in the clubhouse, he was the guy who, who repeatedly was addressing what was going wrong with this team throughout the whole year. And uh, I think he's kind of the guy that uh, came through with the diagnosis that they thought this was going to be easy. They thought they were going to be able to just have 2021 all over again. And uh, when it didn't happen, he was saying, where's the energy? We, we, haven't, we haven't done the energy. He wasn't blaming anybody because he was part of that group too, right? But uh, he, he's the guy who kind of noticed everything that was going wrong, spoke up about what was going wrong. Didn't mean that it changed anything, but, but uh, to have somebody out there who knows what it takes uh, and knows uh, when you're not doing it, that's important, and to, to be a part of the, the, guy, the group of guys that they have in that clubhouse who do fit that description, there's a lot of them. You know, Lance Lynn, Yasmani Grandal, guys who've been around and, and, and can see this uh, happening with this team. It's going to be just as important for them to do their thing next year because, uh, you know, this team needs to be a lot different, not just from, you know, hitting home runs and playing better defense and, and getting outs, but be a lot different in terms of what their mindset is next year. And I know he's a like a general good guy, but I feel like even if he was, you know, kind of a bag, the honesty is refreshing as a journalist. Like, when you go into the locker room, you know you're going to get no BS from that person. I know also as a journalist, you're not necessarily supposed to have favorites that you cover or people that you love to go and put the microphone in front of, but you're a human. To put a microphone in front of Liam Hendricks, you know you're going to get quality answers. You know you're going to get the truth, not, no BS. So how is he to cover Vinny on a day-to-day basis when you're in the White Sox clubhouse? Yeah, I mean, he's great. And basically what you said describes it perfectly. I mean, you, you go over to him, you know you're going to get – and we call it good stuff, but when, when good stuff means, you know, like you said, uh, uh, descriptive answers, answers about what's going on, answers, uh, you know, that you're looking for when you say, hey, what is it like being in this clubhouse? There's a lot of guys who are telling the truth. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not making anything up, but they'll go, oh, it's good. You know, everything in here is good. It feels good kind of thing. And, and Liam will say, oh, it's good, but dot, 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 here's why, and or here's why it's different than last year kind of thing. So, um, you know, when you when you go up to – when you formulate those questions in your head, regardless of who you're going to ask them to, the answers that, that Liam Hendricks gives you are usually the ones that you're thinking, oh, boy, it'd be great to get some of those. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's great to cover because uh, he's, he's very honest, again, not only about what's going on with the team, what's going on with himself. You know, if he has a bad game, he's going to tell you, oh, yeah, I screwed this up and – I got to work on that. That's got to get better kind of thing. You know, again, when, when, when players say, oh, it was a tough day, things didn't really go my way, they're not 
lying to you. They're just kind of maybe, you know, leaning into some cliches a little bit. And uh, I think Liam stays away from that. And that's uh, refreshing. And Janice, I know that uh, you were covered in 2020 for the White Sox. And then I don't know if you got to meet Liam in 2021 or 2022, but is there a player or a person that you've met in your journalistic uh, travels that is kind of like that, is refreshing? You want to put a microphone in front of his or her face? I, I, I've never met Liam Hendricks before, even even though uh, he seems incredibly interesting. And just even knowing a lot of his peripheral interests outside of baseball, I feel as if just even objectively uh, we would get along well. I know he's very much so into astrology. I, I just talk about it so men leave me alone. Uh, but <laughs> I, I know that he's an Aquarius, uh, and I know that the traits of an Aquarius, and like if Liam might, might agree with this, um, like progressive, intelligent, unique, like, I, I feel as if Liam is a very unique kind of guy. Yeah. And also, too, um, idealistic. And so I think a lot of those traits, too, um, I, I'm sure he checks CoStar or the, the pattern or whatever every day. Uh, but I'm sure, yeah, he, he probably uses it as a way to be introspective and really kind of come to terms with himself and his personality. Uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, to answer your question, uh, I mentioned on yesterday's show that I met Tim Anderson and he was just a delight to talk to. Just even knew that uh, I was new and not really used to talking to people in general, let alone uh, a major league baseball player. But yeah, got, took the time to not only let me get to know him, but also uh, got to know me as well. Was asking me questions about, um, say, uh, my basketball career, my very short uh season that I played uh, on the uh, the Richard Henry Lee uh, middle school basketball team uh how'd you do <laughs> I was the only I was one of two girls on the team so uh, we, they made us point guards of course because we had to be uh but otherwise uh yeah I was a great shooter kind of like a corner corner shooter that was pretty much my thing uh my entire uh, game plan was just just to wait in the corner for a pass and once once I got the pass I would just go ahead and just let it fly but uh, otherwise uh yeah um Tim Anderson was probably one of my favorite people to interview and talk to and so what's our grade for Liam Hendricks for the 2022 season Stephen let's pull that up we have a A- minus for the results. His stuff command, a C plus because he wasn't as sharp as he was the year before. But overall, an A- minus for Liam Hendricks because he is the White Sox champion of a player. I want to ask this sincerely, as I asked yesterday with Tim Anderson. I love Liam Hendricks. I want him on the team. But as we see, this team is 81-81. And I would say the bullpen is a place of strength that they can deal from and him being the best person in that bullpen with one year remaining in an option year after that. Do you think the White Sox would seriously entertain a trade of Liam Hendricks and then just have one of the players who are in the bullpen currently, either Kendall Graveman, Joe Kelly, Ray Lowe, or Jimmy Lambert step up to be the all-time closer or a closer by committee, Vinny? No. <laughs> Thank you. No, uh, listen, I'm, I mentioned the contract that Liam Hendricks got a couple off-seasons ago. There's a reason you hand that contract out, um, and, and you're paying f you've gotten what you've paid for so far. There's no real sign that you're going to stop getting what you paid for moving forward. Um, not only that, we might think it's, it's pretty easy to look at someone's numbers as a reliever and say, oh, those, he was damn good as a setup, man. 
Just make him the closer next year, he'll, and he'll be fine. Uh, when you talk to the baseball players and the baseball people, it is not that easy. And uh, they will tell you over and over again how difficult it is to be a closer to pitch the ninth inning. Uh, when you find a guy who has the mindset that allows him to succeed in that role and do it at an all-star level, at a best-in-baseball level, hang on to him. Hang on to him. So many times uh, teams are, are, are having closer issues, uh, and the White Sox don't have that. The White Sox have – they can set it and forget it with Liam Hendricks, and that is a luxury to have. They paid for that luxury, and there's no way that they're going to put themselves at that great of a disadvantage to tinker with some other areas of the roster. I, I don't think that uh, uh, losing him is any sort of good idea. As, as I've talked about with Jose Abreu, mm -hmm. as I talked about when we talked about Tim Anderson, uh, you lose those guys, your team is worse. I mean, if, if Jose Abreu not being on the White Sox makes the White Sox worse. T Tim Anderson, if he were to be traded, makes the White Sox worse. I'd say the same thing about Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks leaving this team makes them a worse team, and that would be the opposite direction that they are trying to move in currently. Janice? Uh, I'm going to say no, do not trade him, but that's no with an asterisk. Okay. Uh, so I feel as if, uh, yeah, uh, like Vinny said, uh, you hand over a contract this large. There's a reason for that. Uh, so, like I said before, there are some cases where he might not pass the eye test, but I do want to point out his ex-ERA this year. So uh, it was at 259. His actual ERA was 281. So this also suggests that he's been a little unlucky. So given these numbers, uh, I feel as if he's going to be even better coming up. So in that case, uh, doing a quick temp check, uh, I actually did a, a very informal Twitter search of Liam Hendricks trade before I jumped on this wonderful podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of folks from random fan bases are very interested. So I think what I'm going for here is uh, if, if, if Liam Hendricks is traded, the only time I feel as if that would be acceptable is if, if it is in return for a significant bat. And when I say significant, I mean like someone that hits like like I don't know, like thirty plus home runs. Uh, it would That's have to right. be. It would have to be like s someone of that elite level because closers are very hard to find. And Ask I feel as if, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like Vinny said, yeah, I mean the White Sox have solved the, has ha they have solved the closer issue. But the thing is, though, there are so many other issues that they also need to solve as well, like uh, second base, right field, just the eternal. Uh, problems that this this ball club always has so uh i am leaning towards a uh, i say medium to hard no all right before we go to commercial break i didn't tell you guys about this i told steven and you can participate steven if you want to um there have been according to baseball reference about 36 baseball players from the great country slash continent of australia can you name any of them besides Liam Hendricks? I'll go with you first, Janice. Can you name Wait. any Australian player that's played in the major leagues? Oh, like so, so like not active, but of all time. Of all time. I know uh, Grant Balfour, great baseball name, by the way. Grant Balfour, uh, ding. There we go. Vinny? Um, oh, man, she took the one I had. <laughs> that's exactly what <laughs> yeah. I was said to. You guys are out? <laughs> Might be. There's, a, there's an outfielder from like the mid-2000s. I know that. I do not remember his name. All right, Stephen, do you have any? Uh, this is a complete shot. Was John Roush Australian? John Roush was just tall, not okay. Australian. <laughs> that was 
That was honestly the reason I was thinking. That. Easily confused. Yeah. Those yeah. are easily confused. Max yeah, has people one in the them. comments are coming through now. They can they can take over this because this is an embarrassing showing by us. But yeah, I thought there were better players, but Liam Hendricks is the second best player in history of Australian baseball players, according to B War. The best is Dave Nielsen, former ah, uh, first yes. baseman. Liam Hendricks is two. Grant Balfour, you said. Peter Moylan, as uh, Max has said. Some names you might know. Graham Lloyd, Ooh. Joe Quinn, and uh, Ryan Roland Smith, formerly of the uh, the Mariners, I believe. He has a podcast himself. So, yeah, there has been a couple of these Australians, and mostly they're uh, pitchers, and they had short stints here in the major league. So, Liam Hendricks, a very uh, – he might be the first of the class of Australians that might be eligible and might even get a, a, a sniff of the Hall of Fame, even though he's not even close to it because he's already, what, 30? He's probably played 12 years, so he's only got like a 10 war in his career. But it's been, I thought there were more Australians. I yeah. had uh, suspected that there was much more. Look at Alex Rue, Louis Thorpe. Stop looking up stuff. <laughs> and Luke Longley didn't play baseball. Also, his name is spelled differently there, White Sox Tom. L-U-C. I'll like see if I can find some more when I'm when I head down under. And yes, yeah. Vinny is going down there. I mean, did, did you speak to Liam about your trip down to Australia? I did. I did. He knows I'm heading down there. He had some recommendations, so that mm. that was that was nice of him to uh, to offer those up. He's like, go to the Applebee's or go to the uh, uh, what was it Outback Steakhouse? Outback Steakhouse were not was not among his recommendations. <laughs> <Just> right. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say they do not have any of those in Australia. They probably hate Fosters down there too. It's kind of like uh, you come to Because they have their actual own beer down there. They yeah. don't need the fake, it's the not fake the stuff. Yeah. Australian and for I, beer. I'm wondering if AJ in our chat here is Australian too. I mean, we, we really have been global so far. We've got, what, Israel, Spain, maybe Australia now. AJ, please comment if you are. I'm curious. Me too. Uh, now, before, uh, if you do uh, comment, I'll be reading my Green Ridge Farms read. And so I'll check it after I read this. Green Ridge Farms is a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you a better all-natural option. Makers of all-natural deli meat sausages and their famous meat sticks. Perfect for tailgating, happy hour, school lunches. These all-natural meat sticks are hardwood smoked for eight hours with 16 grams of protein per stick and make a perfect post-workout snack. Meat sticks from come in chi uh, chicken, black forest beef, flavors like jalapeno cheddar, and spicy chili. Delicious because they're all made with recipes, recipes generations in the making and become all natural. They are delivered fresh and flavorful, an alternative for a snack for a snack time. I had one yesterday. It was very good. I Sean usually has them much more before I, I do. But yesterday they refilled the uh, refrigerator here at CHGO Studios because the the dual bulls and bears uh, post games they had here. But Sean usually eats them, so I can't get to them. Luckily, Sean's in Vegas right now. I can go and snatch one before the show starts. You can always find them in your refrigerated section of Costco, Sam's Club, or in your local Chicagoland grocery store. Right now, when you order any three meat sticks from GreenRidgeFarms.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. Green Ridge Farms, simply natural meat. And let me tell you about FOCO. Chicago, you've already had the best coverage for your favorite teams, so get fitted out in your best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or so south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar in the apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out FOCO.com or check, click the link in the description below for all nine pre-sale items. Use the pro, promo code CHGO 
for 10% off. And the last thing I got for you guys, and by the way, AJ said, let's see, is he Australian? No, he did not. Expose fosters to America and England. So he is Australian. That's good. There's also no such thing as a blooming onion. Come on, man. How are you telling me that they got all this stuff wrong, AJ, and that we've been fed a bunch of lies, that this is not a knife, that's a knife? <laughs> oh, uh, I, I just I'm sure remembered. he appreciates that joke. Oh, too. he hates Crocodile Dundee. Oh, my God. I mean, who doesn't? Let's be honest. <laughs> it was great. Paul Hogan was great. He's still alive. He's still with us. I'm just saying the movie is not very good. Oh, it was great. As a child, <laughs> that movie was one of my favorites. I just remember that uh, AJ is actually the same person who pointed out uh, Australian uh, basketball player Annalie Maley uh, as she was uh, in the Skies uh, training camp last year. Uh, she did not make the team, uh, but really interesting player to watch. Big on the rebounds. Uh, so thank you, AJ, for that heads up on Annalie Maley. Yeah, and if you have any uh, suggestions for Vinny being out there in Australia, send them through. Send him to Vinny uh, um, I mean, on his Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He'll probably be uh, doing what? How long are you going to be out there? For like months? Just uh, one month. Oh, my yeah. God. That's awesome. <laughs> it's just like it's an awesome trip. You're it's like one of the. There. That is an amazing thing that you're just going to be, you and your wife are going to be out there in a country that's just exploring for a good month, not rushed, feeling good about yourselves. Man, it's, it must feel great. You only get one honeymoon. Make you it good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you guys are very creative. That's awesome. How far do you think the White Sox are from the World Series? We see these Phillies in there. They were the eighth-place team in the National League, or seventh-place team. I forgot which one. But they were the last team to get into the playoffs. Then you see the Houston Astros, who are the juggernaut in the American League. How far do you think the White Sox are from those two teams? We call the Phillies the White Sox of the NL, but... The White Sox had to face the American League teams and those Houston Nationals still don't seem like they're going to lose any steam. As we looked at the free agent list, they're losing Michael Brantley. Justin Verlander will probably opt out, but probably go right back to them. They have a lot of people on their staff that's still going to be good. How far do you think the White Sox are from competing with these type of teams, Vinny? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, there's the there's two answers to the question. There's the question question of how far are they as they stand right now after the season that they just had yeah. and how far should they be kind of thing if everything you know starts going right for them for particularly from a health standpoint but um I don't see them as being uh far away from the Phillies at all like not only are they probably not far away from the Phillies they probably should be better than the Phillies right they should mm-hmm. probably be a lot better than the Phillies uh given that the combination of pitching and hitters that they have uh I mean obviously being said the Phillies, as we mentioned yesterday, are a team that was built on hitting a lot of home runs and did it. The White Sox were a team that were built on hitting a lot of home runs and didn't do it. So obviously from a results standpoint, they're far behind the Phillies because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, when it comes to the Astros, they're probably a good deal away from the Astros because isn't everybody. Uh, we just saw how how much the Yankees struggled with the Astros. The Yankees supposed to be one of those other top teams in the American League, and the Astros just did away with them like it was no problem. Uh, you know, it was a, a, a team, a Yankee team that has the best hitter in the game uh, on it. Couldn't hit against against an Astros team uh, that really just dominated them all, all the way around. So I don't really think anybody is terribly close to the Astros right now because that's what they've shown so far. Um, but really, when it comes to the White Sox, you know, the Phillies are that example of just get in the dance and see what happens. Uh, and, and really, that can do it. If we're doing power rankings or something like that ahead of next year, 
you know, the White Sox should be right there with 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 a lot of these playoff teams. Certainly the the Cleveland Guardians, you would expect them to be better than the Cleveland Guardians, but in practice they weren't this year. So, um it's a hard question to answer because what the White Sox did to themselves this year, you know, the way that they couldn't really do any of the stuff that they were supposed to do. But if we're still looking at that whole on-paper discussion, uh, yeah, they're probably not super close to the Astros, but they should be just as good, if not better, than a lot of the teams that I think reached the postseason this as year. As Kirk M says, just got to get in, and that's what the Phillies did. I think, like you were talking about, how the Astros shut down the Yankee bats – I don't think the White Sox pitching staff is too far away from that. We already saw top of the league Dylan Cease. We haven't seen top of the league Michael Kopech, which I believe is coming. And but we, we saw, saw him shut down the Yankees. Exactly. <laughs> yep, we've, yep, yep. we've seen Lucas Giolito be dominant and Lance Lynn be dominant in, in, in time. So for that part, I don't think they're through, that they're too far away from the Astros from getting them in a series and then battling them. Janice, how far do you think the White Sox are from the Astros and the Phillies? Uh, just looking at the Phillies, uh, the Phillies give me big uh, could have been us type vibes. Of course, I mean, there are some fundamental differences between the White Sox and Phillies. For example, uh, the Phillies actually hit home runs. So I think that's probably uh, the big fundamental difference right there. Uh, but of course, too, uh, just looking at the new playoff format and also the postseason, this gives me the idea that uh, maybe the regular season is... Uh, might it might be a little meaningless, uh, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you, you basically saw 100 win teams like the Mets and Dodgers completely just fall flat on their faces. Uh, essentially, once you get in, pretty much your job there is to win games and just do whatever it takes to win. So I guess to answer your question, uh, the White Sox are not too far away from either team, I don't think. But of course, too, uh, they just have to do what it takes to, you know, fix problems. Uh, but of course, too, I mean, when you look at this organization, um, why would they operate any differently than they have for uh, our lives? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, th there are definitely going to be things that keep the White Sox from succeeding. It's just a matter of fixing those problems and essentially just... Uh, yeah, winning ball games. I mean, that's it's simple. It's simplified what you said right there, but it's true. Like, I believe that the regular season is kind of too long and meaningless, as you said. The Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers are out here with 100 wins, and they're sent home packing before any of their championship series. And so it's like, what do we do? Like, all that winning for, like, just to play four extra games. It's weird. Um but I believe the White Sox, as I was just saying, the pitching staff is not too far away, especially with the offseason from Ethan Katz. So I keep on harping up because he, I think he is a difference maker as a coach, as a teacher of the game, and with the tools that he uses. And he gets the best out of his players. And I believe that he'll get that out of these guys in this offseason. And so this 2022 season, I'm going to chalk it up as an anomaly, as the exception instead of the rule. Because they guys couldn't hit home runs. We saw Tim Anderson with six home runs. We talked about him yesterday. No player on the White Sox hit 20 home runs. We know that's a joke. So I'm going to chalk this up as I chalk up the 2020, the 2020 season as a Mickey Mouse season. I'm going to say 2022 was a real season. But also you had the whole coming out of COVID thing and the whole lockout thing, which I think affected the White Sox more than anybody else. And maybe self uh injuring themselves there because of just different things that they were doing and kind of, in my estimation, no urgency on the team. 
and they didn't really uh, seem like like they're pushing the pedal to the metal until way too late. So I think the White Sox are actually not too far away. And if they do bring everybody back, I'll be disappointed. But I understand their plan because they believe in their guys. And I think you said it, Vinny, like trading any one of these players, especially the top players, sends a message of we're, we're kind of giving up on this season or we're kind of giving up and we're retooling for 2023 where the window's open now. They need to actually push down the pedal a little bit more and keep the players that they have and maybe have some additives for the places that they don't have. And so I think the White Sox are not that far away, even though I am, you know, usually mad and this offseason I think is going to be the key to their success going forward for years to come. Well, and whether whether or not that ends up being the actual philosophy you know, that they still believe in this core group of guys, that it's like, all right, just stay the course and it'll be good. I think that's a perfectly reasonable philosophy to have, but whether that is what they're thinking or not, they're kind of stuck there. So uh, that is pretty much probably going to be what you're going to see is most of these guys coming back. And I think that there's a very good argument to be made for almost everybody that, that, that disappointed so much this year that, all right, well, they, they can still be good. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I don't think everybody is like, all right, that's it, Luis Robert done, just give up on the guy. Uh, you know, I, 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 think, I think that's a little extreme. Uh, there's no doubt that they got to go to work and do some work this offseason. Uh, there's, some, there's some big problems to fix. Definitely. Uh, but that being said, I think they're kind of stuck in the way that, as I've said many times on this show, I, I think that they uh, – are basically going to have to stick to the stick to the plan whether they want to or not and uh, and kind of hope that it works out and and again this time a year ago we would have been talking about oh. this plan working you know <laughs> that oh this plan is going to be good can't wait uh, for this plan to get going uh, and and now obviously colored by a season of disappointing results but uh, yeah I think uh, I think I, I think there's plenty of reason to still believe that this could produce the winner that uh, that that was envisioned. I'll get to another question right after I read these two reads. Uh, Game Time is a new ticketing site that makes it easier for, than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, like we talked to earlier, and shows. Ever dreamed about sitting in a seat that you never think you could? 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert? It's possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy at Game Time. You won't find better deals this season on the Bulls, Blackhawks, any concert you want to go to, the Beyonce at the Metro, which is not a real thing, but if it was, <laughs> it would be at game time. And those tickets would be very expensive. Yes. They would. They'll be more expensive than the World Series. Created by fans for the fans, game time guarantees the lowest prices. As I said before, went to Atlanta, bought tickets on the game time app, which you can see on the description below, right in the link in the description below. Bought them for me and my fiance. We enjoyed ourselves. But, like, you know, just I saw their 110% guarantee, and I was like, you know what? This is not real. And so I checked other sites to see if there were seats in my section that would be cheaper. And I did find it on a different site. I screenshotted that, sent it to the GameTime app, and they immediately, 12 minutes later, I literally counted out, sent me the difference of the tickets plus 10 more percent. So 110% guaranteed money back. So the lowest prices guaranteed at game time if you love chgo then you'll love game time it's the best way to support us is buying your tickets through the link in the description join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events let's see what read i gotta do next shady rays there it is shady rays never understood why sunglasses were so expensive so they set out to change that you don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at shady rays have you covered 
Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program of all eyewear. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Drop it in the lake, off a cliff, in the Bellagio fountains, anything. <laughs> they'll replace them. Even if you had that strong of a protection of a program, they still managed to make quality that you can tell by holding them in your hand. It seems as good as any expensive pair that I've ever worn. Shady Rays customers seem to agree. They have over 200,000 five-star reviews. Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed and have donated over 20 million meals to date. They stand behind their product, and they told our team if anyone has a problem, they'll throw out profit, and they'll do whatever it takes to make it right. Free returns and exchanges, you either love your shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. Exclusive for our listeners, Shady Rays will be running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off of two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can also get two pairs as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com, where you can find all their newest and best shades. The last thing I want to ask is, I think the Jerry Reinsdorf teams, the Bulls and the White Sox, have a unique experience, especially because of the loyalty that he shows. It's a double-edged sword. I like it because you feel like you can be yourself and you can have a job without worrying about what's over your shoulder if the man's going to fire you. But also, I think sometimes it breeds complacency. I would be, if I was Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams, kind of in this situation looking at the Astros and say, you know, we're not far away, but also I have job security. I know I'm going to be here for a decent amount of time. So I'm going to try some things, maybe a little riskier move for this guy, that guy, or the other, just because our season didn't go well in 2022. I want to try to roll dice and get it better instead of bringing back the whole team next year and maybe have the same results or have an early X in the playoffs. I know that you guys probably don't feel the same, but that's what how I would do it. What do you think of my thoughts of maybe Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams shake it up and maybe do some, I know you yesterday you were like, if you trade a guy who's on a major league roster, you're usually going to get a prospect back. But I'm thinking more like change of scenery type of guys. Like this guy had a bad season for the White Sox. This guy's had a bad season with Team X. A change of scenery would have both of them do well. What do you think about that, Vinny? I mean, I, I, I believe Rakan when he says that everything's on the table. And, I, and I, you don't have to go back very far to find uh, an example of him doing something that you probably didn't think he was going to do. When, when he traded Nick Madrigal to the Cubs mm. for, for, for Craig mm-hmm. Kimbrell. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody really expected that kind of a trade. Oh. And uh, at the time, the day it was made, it, it had very positive reviews. Uh, and, and certainly Still. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't work out the way anybody wanted it to. Uh, I think Nick Madrigal and the Cubs would probably uh, put themselves <laughs> in that camp at this point. But, uh, Objectively, you know. Objectively, it was a good trade, yes. But right, exactly. And, 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 you know. I At the time. I think a lot of people see the end the end result yeah right the white Sox did this the white Sox didn't do this mm-hmm. you're talking about somebody taking risks and trying stuff that might all be happening behind the scenes and, and i don't think anybody can say with authority oh they're not even considering this oh they're not even doing this you know uh you know you brought up yesterday the idea of the white Sox considering trades for tim anderson or something like that how often every year do you see you know oh team x is is listening to deals on their top star well, of course they are. They should be. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean they're actually going to trade him. But 
that's part of the job. And I, and just because we do not have a report uh, of every single phone call and every single conversation that Rick Hahn has doesn't mean that he isn't trying to, to do some stuff that you don't necessarily think is in line with his standard operating procedure. If you want to, if you want to call it that. So, um, I, I believe him when when he says we're going to consider everything. Nothing's off the table. They're having these conversations. Doesn't mean they leave the walls of the room that they're in. Doesn't mean they're ever going <laughs> to actually going to happen. Anything's going to happen with them. But uh, it, when you're in a position like this, whether you're where he where he was a year ago, coming off of that really disappointing playoff loss to the Astros, whether you're in the position that he is uh, this year, coming off a horribly disappointing season that he called the most disappointing of his career, or if he was in the position where at the end of uh, two weeks from now, he was going to be lifting the World Series trophy, every single time, every single day after any of those things happen, his job is to make this team better than it was the day before. And uh, he's going to be trying to do that. It's uh, a matter of whether that turns out because he's got 29 other guys who are trying to do the same thing for their teams. And it's widely known the White Sox believe that they do their best work when they're undercover, where the leaks don't come out, where they're just flying under the radar, kind of Yasmani Grandal deal, which I did not expect happening. And so, Janice, uh, yourself, uh, what do you think about riskier moves for the White Sox in this offseason than just, you know, bringing back the the band and see how it works? It's like what? They say uh, real G's move in silence like lasagna? Like lasagna, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you mentioned the Grandal deal. Uh, that was right out of the gates. I just I remember where I was when that Grandal deal happened. Uh, yeah, I was at work and someone told me about it and I went into the bathroom and started screaming. Uh, I mean, I, I, I definitely just believe that, like, yeah, yeah, they are probably having things that are flying under the radar and having top-secret cloak-and-dagger meetings. But I think, uh, just objectively as a fan, I, I think what is going to sway me, what is going to convince me that they are actually making moves to make this team better, uh, what's going to set the tone is who, like, like the, the, obviously the pick for manager, whoever that is going to be. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you all have your preferred candidates, but of course, too, um, I really want someone who's really more so uh, analytical Analytics-driven, who is more definitely uh, not a best friend, but here to lead rather than, I don't know, to uh, exactly be everyone's best friend. So I think based on that, that is certainly going to set the tone for, uh, say, how everything else falls into place. And speaking of the guy you just mentioned, Yasmani Grandal will be the focus of tomorrow's grades. I can't wait till that one happens. Uh, Let's see. We're also going to be speaking to Jeff Perlman about his new book about Bo Jackson. I am like five chapters in. Oh, my goodness. I tell you what. Oh, my. What a roller coaster. I have never read something so, like, changing of the mind of how you figured a player to be. Jeff Perlman does this with very many of his uh, biographies he's written. He wrote one about the Lakers, which you've seen in the uh, HBO special. Uh, he's wrote one about the Dallas Cowboys, about sweetness, Walter Payton, which was very controversial. But be here tomorrow. We're going to be talking to him about Vincent Edward Jackson, more known as Bo Jackson, and how he got that name. Oh, my God. Damn. You guys got to get this book. It is just ridiculous and we'll join us tomorrow it'll be a 4 30 interview we'll start the show at four janice myself Vinny, will you be here perhaps Vinny might be here to talk about the bo jackson book that we are going to be reviewing with uh jeff perlman 
Yasmani Grandal gets his grades. I already got a f- uh, idea what grade I'm going to give him. I know these guys probably might give him the same grade. So Yasmani Grandal grades and also all the fun from October 26th, which should ring a bell for you White Sox fans. Hmm. Something happened on that day. Actually, two things happened on that day. They won two games that day. So for Vinny Duber, he is our CHGO beat writer for the White Sox. At Vinny Duber is where you can follow him. If you want to send him suggestions to where he should go in Australia, only if you're Australian. Don't send if you're just a tourist. Only Australians send Vinny Duber. I kind of got Australian there. Like, you did a little bit. I'm I, sorry, I, AJ. Yes, I'm yeah. sorry. You got to watch that. My fiance hates when I do accents because they're terrible. But at Vinny Duber is where you can follow him. Janice in the middle, Janice Scurio. Scuriosa is our at Scuriosa. Did I say it right, Janice? You sure did is where you can follow her. Send her um, things about Australia, too, If you, even if you haven't been there, Maybe even if you're not tickets? Australian. Yeah, you can, you can send me those. I'll take those. And I'm Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23. Don't send me anything. I'm not going a damn place. Actually, we're going to Aust- <laughs> We're probably going to Ireland next year, so send me uh, suggestions for Ireland next year. I got to go out there. I've, I just got my passport this year. I'm finally going to leave the country, except for the 30 minutes I was in Canada. That guy over there. His name is Stephen Nicholas. Stephen Nicholas, I finally got it right. Stephen Thomas. I think every day we should give him a new a new last name. Yes. A different last name that could also be a first name. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Love it. He is part of the uh, two first name crew, Stephen Nicholas, as myself, Herb Lawrence is. We will talk to you tomorrow at four o'clock. We appreciate you tuning in and go White Sox.